The Truth News Network. Where do you begin? Seriously, where do you begin to understand what's happening in the last 18 months? Life in this world is beginning to look like the director's cut of Lord of the Rings. Indescribable torment, tyranny, and it just never ends. Okay, let's take a moment. Separate fact from Hollywood. For that, you need the truth. DNN, the Truth News Network, and Dan Newman. Do you realize that uh, if you had thought of the theme of a movie that looks just like our government and its operations today about 10, 15 years ago, and you wrote a movie script. Can you imagine how much money you would have made by now? Because nobody would believe back then that what is an everyday occurrence now would ever exist in the United States. (laughs) Isn't this amazing? Oh my goodness. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the Friday edition of TNN Live. I know you got a big weekend lined up. Here we are. We're looking just ahead at the dog days of summer. August, I hope you've had that great beach vacation. Maybe gone to uh, Six Flags or Orlando or California, whichever one you pick. But you and your family have had a great summer. We have here, down here in the south, and it's been really hot, 100 degrees almost every day. And uh, I know everybody thinks that happens every summer in the South, but it really doesn't. It's very unusual for us to hit 100-degree days. And when we get those, folks, it is impossible in a lot of ways. You can't even breathe because there's so much humidity. Well, we have a special guest coming up at the bottom of the hour. Let me tell you right now a little bit about him. His name is George Webb. He is a... Uh, investigative journalist, and he's one of the big-time ones. You don't hear a lot about these people. They do all the dirty digging, the thing that we can't quite get to, but we know they're out there, and then when they find it, they turn it over to people like us to talk about. He's going to tell you how that works. So what does he do? Well, he's remained really close to all of the critical issues like censorship, uh, election fraud, that little bitty thing, global conspiracies, economic malfeasance by speaking one-on-one with witnesses and whistleblowers. Now, you hear about these whistleblowers that come up all the time in government. George is one of those people that finds them and turns them over to the appropriate sources uh, to get them on record and giving their details about whatever the issues are. He's over and over again demonstrated his ability to keep his eye on the ball and cover facts that are deliberately obscured or overlook, and consequently go unpublished. Now let me point to something you may may know about that he is responsible for. He discovered the NATO military-grade encryption Blackberries. You remember those few years ago in the Obama administration? Those hard drives that are used or were used by DNC Chairwoman's assistant Imran Awan. His exposures have had the deep state in full pursuit of him, and they still today try to shut him up every time they can. He has his own series called The Research Roadshow with George Webb. And in the series, they dive into subject matter related to NATO, bioweapons, and conflict in the Ukraine. He's a really good author. 
touching on subjects that Amazon deems to be adverse to their terms of service. I know that surprises you, uh, but he exposes in that very thing another layer of corporate-level censorship, which he hates, we all hate. He's got a lot to talk to us about. Let me tell you one thing I'm going to get him to tell us about is what the heck is the real story about Vladimir Putin and his Russian military invading Ukraine? We hear lots of reasons. Oh, they went for this. They went for that. He's got the facts on that and a whole lot of other things. He'll be with us at the bottom of the hour. So don't you dare go away. You're not going to want to miss this. Well, I guess you heard just minutes ago, just minutes ago, the Washington Post has reported the Department of Justice has opened a criminal probe of Donald Trump a real criminal probe of Donald Trump. Now, we knew the January 6th committee, their end game was going to be some way to get rid or try to get rid of Donald Trump and find some criminal activity that he could be indicted for. Even if he wasn't convicted later, that would make a run for the presidency, a re-election run in 2024, virtually impossible. But it looks like they're going to go ahead and Pull the trigger. And in my 69 years of breathing air, I've never witnessed an insatiable desire that we see today among the media to destroy one man. For just a moment, ah, we can look back today. We're at the end of the week. Look at Trump's four years as president. Two years plus of the Mueller investigation. It cost you and me 40 million bucks, we're told which means it was probably much more than that. That investigation was to ferret out Trump's deep ties with Russia, remember? Specifically with Vladimir Putin. Mueller included 20 of the most vicious and prolific investigative attorneys in the nation. Each one of them hated Trump with their own kind of venom. Hundreds of people gave testimony. Hundreds of thousands of pages of evidence and testimony were accumulated. Strategic leaks throughout the investigation, I know that surprises you, it prepared us all for the certain end to the narcissistic billionaire from Queens. Uh, None of what leaked was true. None of the testimony or evidence proved a thing that had been alleged. Instead, the Mueller witch hunt put several other people on the hot seat for their wrongdoing. Trump was clean. Others were filthy with plenty of wrongdoing uncovered, by the way, none of which finds anyone yet in jail or even being investigated. And then there was impeachment number one. Democrats in the House had chomped at their bits to get a shot at Trump. They put every piece of evidence against Trump, and they each were little more than contrived allegations. You remember that day they solemnly marched across the Capitol with their articles of impeachment to deliver to the Senate? After that, the evidence from the House prosecutors failed to win a removal of Trump from office by the Senate in a trial. And then impeachment number two. In leftist desperation, Pelosi-led House Dems took another swing at Trump. None of their evidence was accepted by senators to send Trump packing. And that was just days before he was leaving D.C. anyway. 
But right now, Democrats see their feckless leader in the White House simply following his orders to implement all those leftist ideals that have put us, our nation, in tatters while they're destroying the massive economic achievements of the previous four years. I look back at where I was, and I challenge you on Election Day in 2020. If you can't, go get your checkbook, and if you do it online, go back and look at, say, uh, July, August, September, October of 2020. Look at the money that came through, but more importantly, look at the prices you paid for everything back then and compare it to today. You'll realize how Joe Biden has really put us in a barrel. They see all this happening, and they're still not finished. They're not. So what's next? We're in the twilight zone. It's a horrible, sad tale of some people who cannot let the 2016 election go. They relieve, every day, they relieve it. It's the political adaptation of the story of Sisyphus. The left thinks they can get Trump. They're glued to every update of whatever probe is supposedly taking down the former president. Then they get disappointed when nothing happens. The rock rolls down the hill until the next lefty attempt to indict Trump starts. We saw this with Russian collusions. Trump's taxes, now January 6th. Trump is like Neo from The Matrix. Remember that that movie series? Neo dodging all of the shoddy attempts to take him down. The legal crusade to take down Trump has been a lengthy endeavor. They can't get it good enough and they can't get it, uh, they, they can't let it go. The countless hours devoted to this campaign must be a world record. And everyone but the left knows it's going to end in defeat. If there is a victory, it'll be an earth-shattering one. I guess we could argue that 2020 was an earth-shattering victory. Trump is gone, but the losses the Democrats are about to suffer this year could make liberals question what they have gained besides an economy in recession and an old president who is mentally adrift. Last night, the Washington Post reported that the Department of Justice opened a criminal probe against Trump over his actions on January 6th. We're back to the walls are closing in war crimes from the left. How many of these have we heard in the past five years? Here's what they said. The Justice Department is investigating President Donald Trump's actions as part of its criminal probe of efforts to overturn the 2020 election results. That's according to four people familiar with the matter. Prosecutors who are questioning witnesses before a grand jury, including two top aides to Vice President Mike Pence, have asked in recent days about conversations with Trump, his lawyers, and others in his inner circle who sought to substitute Trump allies for certified electors from some states that Joe Biden won. This is according to two people familiar with the matter. Both spoke on the condition of anonymity to discuss an ongoing investigation. The prosecutors have asked hours of detailed questions about meetings that Trump led 
in December 2020 and January 2021. His pressure campaign on Prince, on Pence to overturn the election and what instructions Trump gave his lawyers and advisors about fake electors and sending electors back to the states, these same people are telling this data and information. Some of the questions focus directly on the extent of Trump's involvement in the fake elector effort led by his outside lawyers. That included John Eastman and Rudy Giuliani. We're told that in addition, the Justice Department investigators in April got phone records of key officials and aides in the Trump administration, including former Chief of Staff Mark Meadows, according to two people familiar with the matter. That effort is another indicator of how expansive the January 6th probe has become, well before the high-profile television house hearings in June and July. I don't care. You don't have to care either. Because you all know how this is going to end. Listen, if Trump was a Kremlin agent and sought evidence, the smoking gun, it would have already been revealed. It hasn't been revealed. Why is that? Because it's a fake news story. It's a fake news story. Trump being delinquent on his taxes would have been leaked by now, too. There's nothing. Trump is going to run again in 2024. Trump is going to run again in 2024. I don't know if you heard me. Trump is going to run again in 2024. I think these last-minute Hail Mary attempts to disqualify him through legal episodes show the level of panic from the other side Because if Biden is at the helm in 2024, he will lose in a landslide. Oh, I forgot to tell you. The Washington Post contrived another falsehood with shallow hopes to send the orange man packing, this time, of course, to prison. And once again, there is no there there. But the Post cares little, if at all, about real news, really truthful news. They simply pander to their masters in exchange for treats. They should switch gears to hunt and expose all those evil white supremacists. You know, the ones that hide behind the garbage cans during the day. They plot the overthrow of the Democrat Party at night. After all, they all hate Democrats, just like the orange man. Why? Because they're all racist. They're racist. (laughs) I had you, didn't I? I had you. But you know what? It's believable. It's believable. And let's do this. While we're sitting here, let me look and see if the Washington Post has anything out there that uh, would would be uh, something that we have to talk about today. Well, let's see. We got the the Wikipedia. We have Washington Post mobile apps. We have comics. The Washington Post, Huffington Post, latest news, top stories, and analysis. Let's see what the top story is here today. Washington Post new leader, one year in. 
Mean tweets, internal battles, finding direction. 50 years after Watergate, a generation of frightened editors. January 6th coverage wins Pulitzer's Public Service Prize. Court tosses out reporters' discrimination suit against Washington Post. Well, there's no revelation about all of what you heard from those people who are, were in the know or we are told a keeping their names out of it. Does that not sound like the Washington Post? So you wouldn't have been surprised at all if you woke up this morning and heard that exact same story that I just gave you. It's not true, folks. They haven't yet. <laughs> they haven't yet done a story like that. But don't you think for a second. <laughs> don't be surprised when you see <laughs> a story coming out of the Washington Post just like that. It's Friday. We can mess around and pick on each other a little bit. It's okay. You're going to be fine. I had you I had you worried there. It was like, oh my gosh, I'm going into the weekend. And now they're going after Donald. They've got something on him and he's going to go to jail. And oh my gosh, who are we going to have to choose to run against whoever the Democrats throw up there? That all goes through our minds when we think about it. Listen. I'm going to say something that probably is controversial to some of you. But I would be thrilled to death, even if it wasn't Donald Trump that ran on the Republican ticket, but it was somebody that was as honest as Donald Trump. And don't tell me he was dishonest when it comes to governing. You can't tell me one administrative lie that he told. Not one. If he had lied, folks, it would have been all every wrong doing that he ever did and the other ones that they could make up. We heard them ad nauseum. It was 24-7 for four and a half years, and they're still doing it. I would just love to have in office any person that would be honest with the American people and do one thing every day. That one thing, enforce the rule of law and see to it that everybody in your administration from the top down adhered to their oaths of office that they took when they became a government official. You don't have to do anything more than that. Just do that. And guess what? We the people, we the people, I'm not talking about the Christian music group that I love, we the people. I'm talking about we the people of the United States, me, you, and everyone like us. And I'm not, when I say everyone like us, I'm not talking about skin color, party affiliation, I'm talking about Americans. If we the people are given the opportunity, or if we don't get it given to us, we take it back just to do what Americans have done in the greatest part of 260 years. Send the people to Washington that we think will best serve us and our communities. And then when they get there, they do just that. 
At the same time, our government officials are just providing help and assistance to those people that we put in charge, we the people. If they would do just that, oh my gosh, what we saw economically and socially during the four years of the Trump administration would be obliterated because it would be that, would be that good. But so, so much better. It'd be a wonderful thing. That's all I can say about it. Well, what really did happen while you slept? Just a little more news came out. Uh, Some more Hunter Biden news came out. President Biden met with at least 14 of Hunter Biden's business associates while he was vice president. And by the way, he met him in the White House. How much corruption happened in meetings in the eight years of Barack Obama and Joe Biden in our White House? We'll never know. There's no way we'll ever know. But I can tell you this, the Hunter Biden, Joe Biden thing, it's real. It's real. And every time a little bit of it comes out, some new news, and they begin to scream and holler, it just proves this. There is there there. This morning, the New York Post, the entire front page lays out the facts, the absolute confirmed facts that Joe Biden was involved in Hunter Biden's business deals with China. It's no longer just a conspiracy theory. Now, you watch what the major networks do over the weekend. Make a commitment when you go to the TV this weekend and you're looking for channels to stop on. Skim the channels and see what ABC News, CBS News, NBC News, CNN, MSNBC, just scan them a little bit and see what stories they're covering. Even, just think about what I just said and what the New York Post published this morning. Any president of the United States, but this one, the one who's in office, what is happening right now, it is so much worse than what happened in the Nixon administration, in the Nixon White House. When he hit things, he actually sent some henchmen to the Democratic National Committee's headquarters in the Watergate Hotel. Nixon did that. That sounds like nothing compared to what Joe Biden has done. The White House, even when he wasn't president, the White House was for sale. I wonder if it is right now. Uh Uh-oh. So the GOP members in the House right now, the ones that are already there, the ones that will be back after the November midterm election, they are ready today to subpoena Hunter and Uncle James and force the FBI to address integrity issues. Two senior Republicans likely to chair House investigative committees next year if the GOP wins. They'll have control of Congress. They say they're prepared to compel testimony from Hunter and James Biden about those overseas business deals and to use the power of the purse to force the FBI to address long, simmering questions about its integrity. 
tell you what I'm going to do. Just a moment. I'm going to let you listen to one of those leaders in the FBI, one of those legal leaders come before a House committee. And I want you to listen to the arrogance and the just benign anger and hatred for those who are asking this guy questions, questions that oversight in the United States Congress. You know that thing that the United States Congress is supposed to do, House of Representatives is supposed to have oversight of bureaucratic operations. This guy you're about to hear, all he does is thumb his nose. He didn't give a rip about the truth, nor that the American people control the government. Listen to Matt Gates out of Florida have this conversation. Is Hunter Biden a national security threat? That's not a question that would come up before me, uh, Congressman. You're the head of the in, National Security Division, so it seems sort of on the nose. It's not in my practice or experience to identify individuals not in my and, and to We've label heard that any individual, an American citizen or any individual, as a national security threat. Well, you would certainly concede that if the adult offspring of the President of the United States or the Vice President were compromised, that would be a national security threat, right? We speak through our filings in court, uh, and we speak through our actions in in, in open court. Um, so I would, okay, well, how, I would speak to this. Where's the in, laptop? In that position. Do you know where Hunter Biden's laptop is? I, again, I'm not going to talk about any potential well, just, ongoing do you investigation know where it is? as I sit do here. You know where it is. I'm not going to talk about any ongoing you, you, investigation. You come here and you tell I us you follow here. the facts in the law, but you can't even follow a laptop that you guys have had for three years. We follow the facts in the law, and we speak in open court about our yeah, cases. but you aren't speaking about this, but you know who is speaking about it? The whistleblowers from the FBI who've gone to, to Senator Grassley and said that you guys purposefully take any information that is, that is derogatory about Hunter Biden and you go and rat hole it so that you never have to speak about it in any circumstance. But the good news is you're not the only ones with that laptop. So Patrick Ho was convicted of bribing government officials in Africa and he gave a million bucks to Hunter Biden. Are you familiar with that? I'm not going to speak about any ongoing investigation. I is can, that an ongoing? I can assure is that, you that an ongoing investigation? I can. I'm not going to. Patrick I'm not going to speak about any potential ongoing. Like, don't investigation. you see that that degrades the country's like belief in you guys when you have whistleblowers saying that you're purposefully rat-holing this information, and then you come here and say you won't talk about it? I mean, you know, inside Hunter Biden's multi-million-dollar deals with a Chinese energy company, Washington Post, Matt Vizier. Chinese elite paid $31 million to Hunter and the Bidens, Peter Schweitzer in the New York Post. Hunter Biden's business partner called Joe Biden the big guy in panic messages. Do you guys call Joe Biden the big guy at the Department of Justice? So I think it's important to understand why we don't speak about cases outside of the courtroom. But, 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 by, we, the we way, that, by the way, the, we, we I already know why. You know why you don't speak question? about it? Because it's about Hunter Biden. You guys have no problem leaking about other stuff, right? Like you got no problem going out and tagging parents at school board meetings as a national security threat. But when all of the facts and all of the law are before you regarding the corruption of Hunter Biden, you don't want to speak to that at all. And it's precisely why you've got folks that are talking to Senator Grassley about it. Bohai Harvest, so 10 days after Vice President Biden takes Hunter Biden to China, 10 days after, this long toiling venture of Hunter Biden that can't get off the ground, 10 days after they go, he automatically gets approved. So uh, for a deal in China with Bohai Harvest, like have you guys looked into that? 
I'm not going to talk about any uh, ongoing investigation. Well, you know who else is talking? Tony Bobolinsky. Tony Bobolinsky told the world that Joe Biden was cut in on a CCP energy deal that was orchestrated by Hunter Biden. Like, have you guys talked to Tony Bobolinsky? Again, we don't talk about ongoing investigations uh, in settings such as this. So, so, so Joe Biden. Uh, well, okay. We, 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 how about this? We commit to a classified briefing on these matters. I'd certainly be happy to talk to you or any member of the committee about uh, matters of national security. Okay, well, but is I don't this talk a about, of I do not talk, We do not talk outside of courtrooms about ongoing investigations. Well, is there an ongoing investigation of the annual fund dinner that happened where Joe Biden was vice president of the United States and Hunter Biden holds his fund's annual dinner at the Chinese embassy? And the, uh, but in order to do that, in order to get the Chinese embassy to roll out the red carpet for Hunter Biden and, and to raise money for his fund, he had to go to the embassy 30 minutes before and have a one-on-one -on -one meeting with the Chinese ambassador. Do you think it's possible that that meeting might have jeopardized national security? I'm not going to comment about any potential uh, or ongoing investigation. Well, here, here's the thing. It's pretty easy to see that Hunter Biden is compromised. I think every American knows that's a threat to national security. I think we're watching a crime spree in progress that Hunter Biden is orchestrating. And one has to wonder, like, what are the Chinese getting for the tens of millions of dollars that they're cutting the Biden family in on? What is the Chinese Communist Party getting as a result of cutting in 10% for the big guy? And it just, I just happened to notice that like you guys canceled the China initiative that President Trump put in place where you focus talent on those things. You know, Jim Biden said to uh, Tony Bobulinski that the reason they're able to get away with this corruption is plausible deniability. And that is precisely the plausible deniability that you, are, that you are animating and exemplifying today. And you know what? Winter's coming, we're gonna be in the majority, and then you're gonna have to answer these questions for the country. You know what? Listening to that, it, it's just atrocious. Somebody who works for that group of people there now think about that. That guy works for us, and he works for those representatives on that committee, just like he works for us. And this guy, with impunity, just refuses to do what he's supposed to do. Let's go to the phone now. We have a call coming in. Hello there. Hey, it's George. George Webb. How are you today, sir? I'm great. I'm great. I have uh, been telling our folks all the things that you've been involved in. I, I got to be honest with you. You have the most amazing background. You've been involved in all kinds of things. And rather than me try to tell the people what you did and what you're doing, I want you to talk to us about what you are finding out in all of the research. You're a real investigative journalist. You're one of those people that you, you don't look at the news and just benignly accept what you see and hear. You go after right. the facts. How did all this begin, and exactly what are you doing? Well, uh, Dan, you're exactly right, and thank you very much for inviting me on the show. It's an honor. Thank you for being uh, here. Yeah, I, I go to the places, uh, let's say we're going to, let's say a previous CDC director comes out and says, you ain't seen nothing yet with coronavirus. Uh, there's another great pandemic coming, 
and it's going to be worse than coronavirus. Uh, that actually happened in April, late April of this year by a guy named Robert Redfield who used to run the CDC when the last big breakout happened with coronavirus. So it's sort of like somebody who maybe you take seriously, maybe you don't, but the last time we didn't take him seriously, six million died, right? So when he says another great pandemic is coming, uh, you know, you have to take him seriously. Well, I don't just sit back and go, well, I'll copy and paste that story. I say, okay, tell me about H5N1. Let me understand why he says it can cause a great pandemic. And I said, well, okay, who is doing the research that's the gain-of-function research for this thing? What, what places around the world are doing this? And I found it was this laboratory in Holland doing the gain-of-function. Gain-of-function making it more infective, making it more aerosolizable, more uh, inhalable uh, to be passed and uh, transmitted through the air making it more deadly. Who's doing that type of crazy stuff? And uh, so I flew to Holland. I went to the Erasmus lab. I camped out at the Erasmus lab. I talked to everybody I could talk to around the lab and try to get into the lab. I didn't get in because they kicked me out. Uh, but then followed the trail of other investigative reporters like this Dutch magazine and newspaper called Andera. Krant, uh, which had 12 investigative reporters all on this story in Holland, in Amsterdam. And then I went to a place where, uh, you know, they supposedly were doing this fun stuff in Holland, uh, you know, with uh, having ferrets, little, you know, like minks, these yeah. small little animals, yeah. uh, in sort of like gas chambers passing this stuff to each other. Um, and so that's the idea is don't accept the mainstream narrative, go there. Um, I've had an interchange with the person, Marion Koopmans, who runs the lab on Twitter. So I've gotten, you know, crossing swords with her on Twitter and so forth. So, you know, you can just take a story and just say, oh, the great pandemic is coming and then go, well, I guess I'll just sit at home knitting <laughs> until this October when the when the flu is normally hit, or you can go run the story and say, well, why, why is there going to be a great pandemic? And why is the hardest of the five W's to answer in journalism? And the reason why is because these guys are doing this crazy gain of function work, uh, with this H5N1 and other, uh, avian flus like H5N1. So that's just one example. George, before we move forward, and I want you to move forward in a little bit and tell us some of the things that are out there that are probable and are probably coming our way. Give us kind of the background of how you got into this particular field. It didn't just happen overnight. I'm sure you've got a lot of history there. But I'm curious, and I know our listeners are too, about how, how did all this come together? Yes, well, I'm like your listeners. I'm, I was a working person, not concerned with doing news or doing journalism. I was in the high-tech business, and we just uh, happened to be – I was in networking. I was in the West Coast. I worked for a lot of startups, 
and we bought a company from Moscow and there was this guy named Dmitry Alperovich in this company. It was 12 people who were supposed to write antivirus software for this company called McAfee and I was on an, in another part of the company called Network Associates. And I found out, this is what always happens, is you find out how you're, you're, you're working away and doing this for the 12, 15 hour days, et cetera, and you think everything, there's no, no corruption. You think there's no corruption. And then you see it with your own eyes it changes you and I saw him and his team writing viruses writing viruses not fixing viruses and writing antivirus software but writing viruses so they could infect computers so that they could get huge sales at the end of every quarter and that was the most dishonest thing I'd ever seen in my life and I left the company and I never thought I would hear the name Dmitry Alperovich ever again. But in actual fact, 16 years later, I hear the DNC has been hacked. The DNC computers have been hacked. And the person leading the charge in the investigation is Dmitry Alperovich. I said, whoa, <laughs> wait a minute. <laughs> I know that guy. This is the wolf being led into the chicken coop. This is not right. This is, is foul, no pun intended, as an investigation could get. And I knew right then the entire DNC hack was a hoax. And I knew from then on that I had some information that I could impart to people to tell them the truth about this, this corruption. And it really kind of led from there. Um, I was only working out of my house. Uh, just doing slides and preparing information that I had gleaned from the web and, and gotten from a, a kind of an online research community. And then just by accident, somebody put me in touch with Seymour uh, Hirsch, the great journalist, the Pulitzer Prize winning journalist, Seymour Hirsch. And he said, well, you know, if you really want to be a journalist, you got to go on the road. You got to go interview people. You got to go get your own source information. You can't just uh, push around other people's work. You have to go get your own stuff. And then you probably need to write a book when you're done. And I never thought I'd ever write a book. I just did videos on YouTube until YouTube shut me down. But then I became a writer and I wrote uh, booklet size books, mainly 99 page or less books. I wrote 42 of those. I never thought I'd write that many books. I wrote 18,000 books. I mean, I sold 18,000 books until I was banned on Amazon. Um, so that's, that's my story really is I'm an accidental journalist. Um, I didn't get into this for any other reason than stopping this corruption and letting people know that it, it is actually out there and it has to be rooted out if we're going to get back to our, our constitution like it's supposed to be. It's so, um, it's so unusual, but almost every week I run into somebody that is in a profession and especially people that are very successful, they get in a profession and you look back behind them and look at how they prepared for that profession. They didn't go to college to do it. They found out the real them after the fact and they found something that they identified with, they liked, they enjoyed, they wanted to do it, and then they just went for it. Kind of sounds like George Webb to me. Yeah, and I think there's a spiritual, you know, finding your, 
Lord and Savior, I think, is also helpful in that process. What you really f- should be doing rather than what you think is making you money. Yeah. Uh, so I think that's also part of that transition. Uh, you know, you have a decision to make. You know, you have a right and wrong decision to make. So that's also part of that. I, I'm, I don't even know if I'm very good at what I do. <laughs> you know, but I know if I don't do it, it won't get done. So that's 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 why I do it. I got to be honest with you. Um, I live by that scripture. All things work together for good to them that love God, called according to His purpose. And uh, I don't think anything in my life has ever been just an accidental happening. I believe. Absolutely. I believe that everything we we put in the ground, we sow in our lives. Everything, good, bad, ugly, um, it all comes back. And when you plant watermelon seeds, watermelons grow every time. Of course, what we like to do is we like to plant watermelon seeds and hope they come out peaches later. <laughs> they, they always well, I come like out. Watermelon. I'm sticking with watermelon. But yeah, I get your point. Yeah, it is exactly true. As you sow, as you reap, and uh, you know, in our in in what I try to do. It's not so much George. It, at the start, it was George running around and going to every place you could imagine and getting the story and interviewing people. But it turned into me trying to help other journalists get started, especially young, younger people. Yeah. Uh, to potentially choose that as a career path, it doesn't pay well, as you know, <laughs> Dan. It, it you need to have support from your uh, supporters. Because nobody wants to pay for this. You're, <laughs> nobody you're wants to hear about most of it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, so you need the support. Sure. Uh, but if you can encourage other people, because you know, uh, I'm not going to be here forever. It'd be nice to have some other people follow in the footsteps. So, so we we worked on a journalism institute uh, over the last uh, two years uh, to build that. Uh, it was in Michigan, and now moving to it down here to Atlanta. Uh, so that's something that's important to me. Um, and people certainly can help with that if they want. So that's, that's where I'm at right now. And, and I am on this, uh, coronavirus thing, which has been used to lock down people. It's been used to tell people they're bad, um, divide families, destroy small business, you know, you name it. And I am using facts and getting facts to fight back. We're not fighting back with just saying, Hey, this is wrong. I'm, I'm my job is to go out there and get the facts to give people the ammunition so they can fight back with facts. That's a novel idea. Go find the truth and then use it in your life. <laughs> yeah. I, I think find I, the truth and it just sets you free, right? Yeah. So that's the, that's the philosophy there. I think our parents, both mine and yours, kind of told us that when we were young. Hey, listen, we're going to take a break. When we come back on the other side, I want you to tell everybody the truth, the probable truth. I don't know if we know absolutely, but the truth as you know it about Vladimir Putin invading Ukraine. Mm-hmm. Can you do that? I sure will. George Webb with us today. Investigative journalist, one of the best there is. We'll be back right after this at TNN Live. 
Hi, this is Jack, founder of Jack in the Box. Is the caller there? Mr. Box, Douglas Gopperts from Burger Week magazine. Oh, hey, Doug. Doug's a respected fast food critic. I recently dined on your sourdough Jack combo. And? Perfection. The cheese, the jumbo patty, the golden sourdough bread, the french fries. Bravo. Well, thank you. However, I found the dessert a bit dry. It doesn't come with dessert. The candy. The white, round candy with the happy face. Was it wearing a scarf? Yes, I believe it was. Rosy cheeks? Fuzzy earmuffs? Yes, that's it. Douglas, you ate a holiday ball. <gasps> We're giving one away free to customers who buy a sourdough jack combo. But they're not for dessert. They're for antennas. Or a pencil. Right. Well, that's going to improve your score dramatically. Excellent. Few things bring as much joy as the delicious taste of Coca-Cola. Like your first time camping or falling in love on a blind date. And now, our new Coke bottles are sip-sized and made from 100% recycled materials. So every bottle can live on to create more memories. That's endlessly refreshing. Coca-Cola. Bottles are made from 100% recycled materials excluding cap and label. Enjoy the great taste of Coca-Cola in a new sip-sized bottle that's made of 100% recycled materials. Genuine Ford Parts and Service presents a word from your wallet. Are we at the gas station? Yeah, I know. I'm feeling these gas prices, too. I'm the wallet down here. Head to a Ford dealership. Why? Proper vehicle maintenance. A new air filter can save 19 cents a gallon. Correct tire inflation up to 6 cents a gallon. Wow, that sure adds up. <laughs> Fat wallets are very in right now. Right now, Motorcraft air filter replacement is just $19.95 or less. Replacing a dirty air filter can increase fuel economy by as much as 10%. Well, done. That was easy. Maybe you should listen to your wallet more often. Well, you're typically pretty quiet. Well, I didn't want to be a pain in the... Uh, 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 uh. Hurry in for the best deals we've had in years. Money-saving rebates on brakes, batteries, tires, and more. See your participating Ford dealer today. When a governor can tell a president, no rally in my state, it's time for some definitive truth. Here with the goods, again, Dan Newman. Well, as everybody listening in knows here at TNN Live, we go for the facts. We don't take exactly what we hear about everything. We go dig and make sure it's true. And then if it's not, we bring you that as well. And I'm glad to have joining us today a guy that has made that his life's uh, challenge and his life pursuit, George Webb. George, going into the break, I ask you about Ukraine. I know you've done a lot of it research and investigation in Ukraine. What are the real reasons why Vladimir Putin invaded Ukraine in the first place? Well, this is just my perspective. And and Ukraine is sort of like the eight blind men and the elephant sometimes, if you look at the reporting, depending on what end of the elephant you're talking about. But <laughs> yeah. I, I went to Poland and I was heading into Ukraine and I was on the border uh, staying on the border. So, and even move, moving through Germany into Poland, I saw a lot of refugees. I interviewed a lot of refugees. I interviewed refugees in uh, Arnhem, Holland, uh, Fulda, uh, Fulda, Germany, a couple of other, Marburg, Germany, uh, and then Krakow. I interviewed a lot of folks and spent a lot of time at a refugee center and then went to the border and I was heading in and then I was told by a person living in Donbass on the eastern side that if I came in without a 
press pass and a visa that I would, I would probably be detained. So I didn't go in. I was thinking about going into the Russian side through Crimea when I when I unfortunately broke my foot on a you know running to try to get a, a photo <laughs> uh, in Belgrade. Uh, but I'd gone through a lot of the NATO countries where there had been wars before. I went through Bosnia. I went through Herzegovina. I went through Croatia. I went through Romania. Uh, a lot of uh, a lot of tensions, a lot of wars over the last 20 years that NATO's been involved in. And I think we get one version uh, in the West for the most part, which is Zelensky is a great, uh, brave guy in a T-shirt, and he's trying to save the, the people of Ukraine. And I think he, he is trying to do that. Uh, but I think also there was stuff going on in eastern Ukraine for the last eight years that doesn't get a lot of attention. Uh, and that's mainly the Russian-speaking side. Now, I'm not trying to justify Putin's invasion. <clears throat> I mean, I interviewed a lot of, of, you know, I remember on a train, a little girl uh, who was maybe five years old, six years old, and teaching her to count, uh, a Ukrainian girl teaching her to count to 20. You know, and I was so impressed that her English was getting so good, you know, that she could count to 20. So I've seen the families, I've interviewed so many people who have their husbands and brothers that are fighting and, and may have been killed in this thing. It's horrible war. Uh, so all I'm saying is there is another aspect to this. Um, I think the all war is horrific, and when, the closer you get, the worse it gets. And... Uh, that, that's probably all I'll say uh, for right now, other than I, I just I feel like I need to be that guy who tells both sides of the story. Sure. And there was eight years of this stuff happening in eastern Ukraine where this Azov battalion was doing a lot of, of really pretty nasty stuff. And there was the guy who put in Zelensky as sort of his puppet was a guy named Kolomoisky, who is an international criminal. He was very much a part of overthrowing Ukraine in 2014 when they threw out an elected government. Yanukovych was an elected government. And then when that happened, he put his Azov Brigade, which is mercenaries, when there's a small element of neo-Nazi in that as well, uh, they started moving on the land and especially the minerals, the titanium and the cobalt and the lithium and all these trace metals that are used in our iPhones and so forth, rare metals. So there's, there's oil and gas also in, at play in Ukraine, uh, in the black sea with a huge new oil, uh, gas deposit discovered off Crimea. So there's a lot going on and it's not just Slava Ukraine. Uh, you know, it's not just black and white, I guess, is what I was, would say. That's that's what I wanted you to, to make our audience understand, that when we hear and see the news, we need to understand that every time that appears, or we see it in the paper, television, or hear it on radio, that it's put together for the express purpose 
of making us think or feel some type of narrative, whatever they want to couch it to make it look and feel like. It's not necessarily the way that it is. And you're right. Everything that we hear in America about Zelensky, Vladimir Zelensky, we know he was a comedian, an actor. And then all of a sudden he gets elected president of Ukraine. And all we see is him in the t-shirt and he's propped up to be a great guy. There's, and pretty much always, there's another side to every story that we see. I have had here on this show a research scientist who swears there were a multitude of bioweapon labs in Ukraine, and that was one explanation why when the invasion started, Putin did not go right to the capital, Kiev, and take it because everybody felt like he would go there first, and if he took the capital, he could pretty much just waltz through the rest of the country. He was purportedly hitting these bioweapons labs that purportedly the United States was doing gain-of-function research and other stuff in those labs. Whether or not that is factual, and I'm not asking you to weigh in on it, uh, usually when somebody screams fire, it may not be a big fire, but in most cases there's something that caused that uproar, that furor to happen. And usually... There's more there than we think, especially when it comes to evil. People do wrong, and they just do it, in many cases, automatically. It's like it's nature, and it's no big deal. And once we get involved in our lives at doing something over and over and over and over again, it becomes normalized, and that's just the way we do it. In some countries, people's entire lives there operate that way, and not in a good way. Um, well, to, to support ahead. what you're saying, I I spent eight, or the last six years chasing Ukrainian biolabs. I mean, I've followed this story since uh, a journalist by the name of Juliana in Bulgaria. I was on my way to see her when I broke my foot. Uh, you know, since she started reporting on this in 2017, I had some insights with Hunter Biden and his uh, BlackBerry and the blackberries that were being used by the Bidens and in the Senate that were being used to do the biolabs in Ukraine. So I was chasing this the same way your guest was chasing this. And there has been nothing found other than paperwork that talked about programs, but they haven't found the 10,000 gallon tank of anthrax. They haven't found the 10,000 gallon tanks of bird flu or or coronavirus or what have you. Right. That's the telltale proof. Yeah. But there, I agree with you guests that the invasion pattern, uh, if you look at it, was to take out the command and control so that there would be free operations of the special forces. And they did go to the places, except Odessa. And then there was another lab in Kiev that I still am very interested in. But they went to places and cordoned off places where they thought they might be. The steel plant Azovstal near Mariupol was a place they thought they would find it. They didn't. There's another one in uh, Donetsk, which is in Kramatorsk, that's owned by this uh, Kolomoisky guy, international criminal, can't even go back to his own home country in Switzerland. He's been sanctioned by the U.S. State Department, so this isn't something I'm just kind of making up. He's chainsawed a guy in half while he's alive. I mean, that's kind of 
Chainsaw Cullum Whiskey is his nickname. My goodness. So we're not talking about a, you know, a nice guy here. Sure. So, so I've had a lot of circumstantial evidence that Cullum Whiskey has been involved in this bio stuff, but I have not found the smoking gun, as it were, in, in Ukraine. I do think that Putin and Lavrov, the foreign minister, have certainly talked about this over and over and over again before the invasion, during the invasion, and repeatedly after the invasion, saying this is one of the key reasons. The other one is the denazification, getting rid of the Azov Brigade. Yeah. So that's what they say is the reason. Um, remember also that a lot of these uh, bioagents get tested on animals first. Yes. And then get moved to humans. Uh, the H5N1 that I talked about is a classic example where they, they infect uh, food, the, the chicken, uh, poultry, and then it moves over to the humans. So there's a lot we don't know yet. We're gathering evidence. But again, you have to keep an open mind that the Russians actually might be uh, telling the truth, or at least in their mind, uh, that's one of their big objectives. And we have to leave that open. I know how people immediately say, oh, that's just Russian propaganda. But if, for instance, the United States uh, went into Iraq because Colin Powell shook a little... Uh, test tube of yellow cake uranium and said there's weapons of mass destruction well that was good enough for the United States to invade Iraq and we didn't find anything so we have to we can't you know if the shoes on the other foot which is my test if, if I'm being impartial shoes on the other foot what would we say yeah you know you started this thing with this H5N1 and you yeah. started it with the um, the former head of the CDC and what he said. We'll circle back here. I'm going to let you finish the show today. Uh, I'm not going to put you on on the spot and ask you for an absolute answer. What do you think he was talking about when he said there's there's another big pandemic coming? Well, I think this October we'll know the answer. I hate it when people who are in the know, who are insiders, and I mean inside insiders, yeah. not like Fauci, but I mean the people who are actually close to the military. Redfield spent his whole career in the military. Uh, Deborah Burke spent her whole career in the Army and military. They tested people with this stuff, new spike proteins that had never existed before. They did new vaccines that had never been existed before. Fauci is just doing the public side the civilian side, but these guys were on the inside on the army programs at Fort Dietrich and Fort Belvoir. I fo followed them for six years going to all these places. So I know they know, and I know they know what's coming. And I know Fauci doesn't have visibility into that military pipeline. So when I hear a military guy say, this is what's coming, that's like a military guy saying, here's what's coming in terms of an invasion. Right, he's in a much better position to know than some civilian who's just a reporter or somebody commenting. So I don't know what it means, but he said 10 to 50 percent uh, mortality 
and he was talking about like another Spanish flu. If you remember Spanish flu, was H H one five, H one N one, which is related to H five N one, same family of yeah. of uh, that killed. You know, some people say 17 million. Some people say as high as 50 million. So, again, I, I don't know what he means by this is going to make coronavirus look like a minor epidemic other than to take him at his word and prepare. Now, I don't know if he's trying to get us to go all go out and get the universal flu vaccine or if he's trying to scare everybody again or trying to shut down small business again. You know, I I don't have that kind of crystal ball, but I do want to let everybody know he did say it. Well, I appreciate you sharing that with us. That's something that, uh, to be honest with you, I heard it when it was said, but it kind of went just in one ear and out the other. Uh, Because you can't tell today when people in uh, really important positions, when they speak publicly, if they're trying to make a point, if they're trying to scare people into doing something or just get us prepared for something coming down the pipe. And there's been so much disinformation sown in every part of the coronavirus stuff. I mean, we don't know which to believe. I absolutely don't know what to believe. So we all try to find the to the best of our ability what's there that we can grab a hold of and maybe make some real decisions based on rather than running in the Fauci circle where everything changes in a 24-hour news cycle. We can't live like that. George, right. well, go, go ahead. Thank go you ahead. Uh, go very ahead. much. I would just say this, that the gain-of-function research is the enemy. Whether or not we can agree on this set of facts or that set of facts, the bottom line is the gain-of-function research has to stop. Because got, that's what's causing all this. I got to be honest with you. When I heard the explanation for even doing gain of function, which basically is why would you take a virus and try to make it stronger and more powerful? Why wouldn't you just find a way to wipe it out? And yeah. the Fauci explanation was well, we need to make it stronger so that in the case it shows up in nature stronger that we're going to be prepared to fight it. I mean, he, he actually said that. Yep. If That cannot be the purpose because there would be no reason to do that if you just found a way to neutralize it. Absolutely. That's, that's the big takeaway here is that isn't disinformation, that that is not subject to uh, changing from one day to the next. The gain of function is, it has been banned before, by this Erasmus lab. They're the ones who did the H5N1 and they should be banned again. So that's the, my, my final, final on H5N1. Before you get away, tell us about your series research roadshow. Well, I did that, uh, when, for our school up in, uh, in, uh, Michigan, which has moved down here to Atlanta. I'm at real George Webb, the number one on Twitter. So Real George Web number one's best way to support me. I have a, a Venmo, which is G-E-O-W-E-B-B, uh, Venmo, and then I have a PayPal that you can see at my Twitter at Real George Web uh, one at on Twitter. Uh, if you want to uh, donate to the school or sponsor a, a journalist at the school, uh, just get a hold of me through my Twitter. 
We got you. We'll publish that on our website so our our followers can uh, keep up with you and help you out in your in your efforts. What's real big on your horizon right now? Well, I want Julian Assange. Uh, I want to make sure that he doesn't uh, get extradited to the United States. I might be going to England. I might uh, be going uh, back to uh, Europe. Uh, I'm also looking at a story in South Africa, which is a really scary story where this whole bomb that got released at the Wuhan military games that we suffered from may have been a plan in the 70s in South Africa and just has been tweaked and tinkered with since then. So I'm working on that story. So I'm, I got a lot of different continents <laughs> and a lot of irons in the yeah. fire. It's, it sounds like you're on the road all the time. Yes. Well, listen, you have my number, keep it. And anytime and every time you have something you want to share with people all around the United States and around the world too, please. Use TNN Live. Use us. Let us help you and uh, get the word out to a bunch of people that may not be able to hear what you have to bring. Well, thank you very much, uh, Dan. This has been a true honor. George Webb. Wow. That was interesting. This is somebody that really does have facts. And when you hear somebody like that, that does exactly what we've been preaching, you and I, through the life of truthnewsnet.org and TNN Live, which is when you hear something, don't just automatically accept it as fact. Go make sure it really is what you think it is. And if it's not, find the facts of it all. Then when we make decisions, we'll know we're on target. Maybe we can miss a lot of bad things that way. Real truth, real news, TNN. The Truth News Network. Grab an ice-cold can of Celsius and stay active and energized all day. Celsius is better for you energy, made with premium ingredients, zero sugar, and seven essential vitamins, with no high-fructose corn syrup, no aspartame, no preservatives, and no artificial colors or flavors. Celsius is just the essential energy you need to keep you fueled and active all day. Celsius, essential energy, live fit. Now find Celsius at Celsius.com or a retailer near you. We're outside Pilgrim Furniture and Mattress City where parents are disappearing. Excuse me, are your parents in there? Yeah. They can't decide if they should take no interest for 60 months with no money down or an extra $100 off every $9.99 they spend. It's a tough choice. But they've been in there for six hours. I want dinner. Parents, if you're at Pilgrim, please make a decision. The I'm crazy hungry, so she's got to be too. Slide through the Mickey D's drive-thru to get a Big Mac. Right after I order her quarter pounder with cheese, because I don't know everything, but I do know what my girl's feeling hangry meal. Get it at McDonald's when you buy one of your faves, like the Big Mac, quarter pounder with cheese, 10-piece chicken McNuggets, or filet of fish, and get another for just a dollar. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Prices and participation may vary. Valid on item of equal or lesser value. New home ownership can be a real eye-opener, but it's the perfect time to look into Homeowner 101 from The Home Depot. Free live streaming workshops taught by expert associates, now at homedepot.com slash workshops. You'll find indoor and outdoor workshops, even home systems workshops. Plus, you'll get the know-how you need to care for your biggest investment. Master the basics at Homeowner 101, only at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. 
Register now at homedepot.com slash workshops. So if you tuned in late and you just heard part of our conversation with George Webb and you want the entire thing, don't forget, right after the show is over live, 9 to 11 a.m., Monday through Friday, Central Time, the show, every show, TNN Live show, goes up on, let me help, help me remember, Apple Podcast, Spotify Podcast, iHeart Podcast, TuneIn Podcast, Google Podcast, Stitcher and even Facebook. TNN Live, that's the name of the show. And you can go grab it, you can download it, share it, listen to it. That's the kind of thing you want to pass around because there are so many things that we hear. And we don't have the ability to go do all the work like we hear George Webb does. I mean, he's on the road. And when I say on the road, I'm not talking about literally the road. I'm talking about on the planet. He goes where there is a story or he thinks there is that's important to us and he gets the facts. It was good to have him on the show and I'm going to make sure we invite him to come back whenever we have any questions. It was interesting to me, I guess the greatest thing I got out of that conversation was his pointing to where the truth about all of these things seems to generate military Dr. Deborah Burks, I didn't even know she spent time in the military. I really didn't. So where does that tie together with science and research? If you want to get something done after you found out how to do it, what better way to spread it than through the military? Because they have power. That's interesting, but i got to be honest with you, it's scary too. So let's morph over to the other 900-pound gorilla in our room, our economy, and we just beat this drum every day. Isn't it funny to you, it is to me, to watch everybody in the Biden administration rushing to change the definition (laughs) of recession? I mean, for decades, the The definition, the only definition that's ever been out there, the only way you can credibly determine if you're in a recession is if you have two quarters in a row. That's six months where the gross domestic product goes down in each of those three-month periods. Let me tell you what's funny about it. Of course, that's the signal that we got. Our GDP did go down in the first quarter, and it did go down in the second quarter. And, of course, everybody in the Biden administration is saying, oh, we're not in a recession because we've got jobs. We're adding jobs, and our unemployment is so low. They don't want to talk about the fact that there are 3 million fewer people working today than were working the day, day number one, of our pandemic, 3 million. So how could they in any way make any kind of representation that this economy is good? And I don't even need to talk to you about inflation. 
you've been experiencing it yourself long before anybody in the government actually could put a number on it and say it was good or bad. It's all about us, and any time and every time, it becomes about the government. There's no good outcome for us, absolutely no good outcome. And so what's going to happen with inflation? I, uh, I honestly don't know. I don't think we've seen an inflationary period in our history like the one that we're living in now. There's nothing we can point to and say, okay, now this is going to happen next. I got to be honest with you. When I have economic questions here of late, there's a guy that I really have a lot of respect for, and I like and I believe the things that he says because anytime he's got a question or something may be true, he's very clear about telling us, I think this is true, think this is the way it is, and if it's not, I'll come back and tell you. But he bases his information on facts that he knows personally. He is in the economy. He is a financial guy 24-7, has been for his entire career. Charles Payne on Fox News, what does he have to say about, is this a recession? Do we have inflation? Or is it just a transitory thing we're going through? I don't know. But I think what we can do is we can check with Charles. So a couple hours ago, President Biden uh, he spoke to the press and he touched on the question of recession, and he started to rattle off a whole bunch of what I think are dubious stats, including, for instance, the number of jobs created uh, under his presidency. The fact of the matter is, folks, we still have fewer jobs than we did in February 2020. Recovered jobs, sure. He reeled off investments in semiconductor factories and EVs, which was really weird, because just moments before that, he bragged that he was going to take taxpayer money to give to EV and semiconductors. You know, I really think it's insulting to the public which is screaming about the pain from inflation and now recession. Consumer confidence, all of those polls are in free fall. Now, the media is never going to call President Biden out on his recession, but this has never been a mainstream media debate before. You never heard anybody debate this. So even with the media's help, though, uh, you know, the president seems to me cold and detached, even arrogant about the plight of everyday Americans, you know, always helping out these college-educated kids with taxpayer money for childcare and to buy EVs. That's not the same thing. I think it would be smart for President Biden to revisit the 1992 presidential town hall debate. There were three candidates, and they had a question about the national debt, how it affected them. Now, the, vote, the question was really about recession, how it personally impacted them. And it was Bill Clinton's I Feel Your Pain moment. Take a listen. In my state, when people lose their jobs, there's a good chance I'll know them by their names. When a factory closes, I know the people who ran it. When the businesses go bankrupt, I know them. I really think President Biden should acknowledge the pain of the nation, and it's time for him to get his staff to do the same thing. Be personal about it. You know what? It's happened under your watch. It's going to be official recession, even if no matter what, the way we're going right now. So forget about it. Start giving us some solutions and some answers. That's what we need more than excuses. What Charles Payne said there at the end of that is what needs to happen. Quit arguing over the label that's put on this thing. It's bad for every American, except maybe uh, people that live in the White House. They don't have, they don't experience any inflation. They've got everything they want, everything they need, and it's all given and taken care of by somebody else. 
I can understand why it's hard for Joe Biden to relate to what you and I are facing inflationary matters. I mean, gasoline is just the tip of the iceberg. It just keeps growing and growing and growing, and every day it impacts a different part of our lives. Those parts of our lives that no president can relate to, at least while they're in office. One key measure that they might ought to think about, one key measure for inflation, the personal consumption expenditure price index. It rose by 6.8% compared with 12 months earlier. Again, the name of it, the personal consumption expenditure price index. Well, what does 6.8% mean? It's an acceleration of inflation from the 6.3% annual gain back in May. Now, this data was released this morning by the Bureau of Economic Analysis. Economists had expected a slightly lower reading of 6.6%. This is the biggest year-over-year gain since 1982. 1982. Do the math. That's 40 years. Compared with last month, the personal consumption expenditure price index was up 1% in one month, a big increase from the monthly gain of 0.6% in May and above the 0.9% that was expected. This is the largest month-over-month gain since February of 1981 when they had a 1% gain. Now, what are they including in this? Well, they exclude food and energy prices. You know why they do that? It's because they're so volatile. They go up and down. You can't make a decision based on those. you got to find some standard. So they drop those out. They were up 4.8% compared with a year ago. Economists expected this to hold steady at 4.7%. And Biden and them, they still scream, this is not a recession. You want to hear something funny? An edit war broke out overnight on Wikipedia. What kind of war? <laughs> Over the definition of recession. I mean, if you got Wikipedia and they're having fights there, more than 70 edits to the page about recessions were made before the Wikipedia site locked the entry, preventing anybody to change anything else about it. The edits successfully de-emphasize that broad consensus definition of recession, two consecutive quarters of negative gross domestic product growth. Instead, now when you read it, it parrots the Biden administration's talking points. They've changed it. Is this the definition of insanity? How in the heck could anybody that is honest and truthful just for political purposes, how could they do something like that? Instead of dealing with the issue, they deal with a definition so that they can deny that it is a recession. They don't want to go down in the history books as being the administration with the greatest inflation and recession in American history. And I got to be honest with you, we're headed in that direction. We are. 
mentioned the Hunter Biden stuff as we opened the show today. The Biden White House responded yesterday to some questions about Hunter and his dubious business practices, as few as there are, by acting as if the first son's actions have nothing to do with the administration. In a sure sign that President Biden has been nixed as the potential 2024 Democratic Party presidential nominee, Hunter Biden's getting more attention lately. And what does that mean? Well, if people in the media were pretty darn sure that Joe Biden was going to run in 2024, after all, he'd be the chief, the boss of the nation for another four years. They can't print or they can't broadcast any negative news about Joe. Well, now that they're pretty sure, pretty darn sure he's not going to run, maybe, oh, maybe we just need to start talking about Hunter. But they waited about two years after the laptop from hell story first broke in the days ahead of the 2020 election. And then it was summarily censored and otherwise blackballed by the media and big tech. Nobody would talk about it. Americans didn't know anything about it because big media outlets wouldn't even cover it in the run-up to the 2020 election. In fact, more than 15% of Americans that are polled they said if they had known about that laptop and its contents, they wouldn't have voted for Joe Biden. Yesterday, White House Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre wanted nothing to do with questions about the president's son possibly still holding a stake in that Chinese investment fund. I would refer you to his representatives, she said. And here's the question she was asked. Online business records suggest that the first son still holds a 10% stake in a Chinese investment fund. Is it possible to have basic transparency there on whether he actually divested that stake or not? Now, that would be an easy present uh, question to answer, and you know she knows the answer. Certainly everybody in the White House does. But instead of just being honest and coming clean, I know nothing, kind of like Pontius Pilate did. He ceremonially, remember, he washed his hands and they brought Jesus to him and said, I want nothing to do with this man. I can't find anything wrong with him. That's what Jean-Pierre did yesterday. Yet earlier this month, in what seemed to be an attempt to mainstream the president's disgraced son, the New York Post reported that the White House gave Hunter a front row seat during the Presidential Medal of Freedom ceremony, noting that he had been a fixture in Washington this week. The younger Biden, currently under investigation by the U.S. Attorney's Office in Delaware for alleged tax fraud and money laundering, no big deal there. There's no there there. It's just, you know, we throw it out. Oh, it's alleged tax fraud and money laundering. All that related to his international business interests, which much of initiated when he made trips with Papa on Air Force Two to the Middle East and to Ukraine and to China. The mention of a 10% stake in that Chinese firm immediately calls to mind the message that would discovered on the laptop about a 10% cut of a proposed deal with China's largest private energy company, 
going to the big guy. 10%, 10%. Interesting, isn't it? With the younger Biden's business being trading on his dad's famous name, it doesn't require much of an imagination to speculate on what that 10% might be. Interesting. Every day, every day something new about this comes out. And so yesterday in that same press briefing, Corinne Jean-Pierre, she was very defensive and Peter Ducey of Fox News, they just went back and forth and back and forth. Jean-Pierre addressed Washington, D.C. Mayor Muriel Bowser's, her request for the National Guard. Why would D.C. need the National Guard? Well, to help deal with that influx of migrants to their area because they're now being bused from border towns in Texas and Arizona. But the press secretary was left trying to defend herself when Ducey held her feet to the fire as she sought to blame the crisis on Republicans. Go figure. Jean-Pierre initially tried to evade Ducey's question by referring him to the Department of Defense. And she added the Biden administration has been in regular touch, she said, in regular touch with Bowser, claiming that Republicans are using migrants as a political tool, which is shameful and wrong. She said, there is a process for managing migrants at the border. This is not it, what they're doing currently. She continued reiterating her attack on Republicans. But Ducey, he was pretty quick and he called her out, her hypocrisy. So the White House preference would be for small towns in Texas and Arizona to have to take care of these migrants rather than a large metropolitan city like Washington, D.C., he asked. That's not what I said, she shot back. They're sending migrants to big cities on purpose, using them as a political ploy. Republicans are using migrants who are coming here for who knows, because they are dealing with humanitarian issues back in their country. They're coming here for a better life, and they're being used by Republican governor, she said. Ducey asked why Joe Biden wouldn't just respond by closing the border and avoid the overrunning of American cities. <laughs> it's really comical to me what's happening. On Thursday, the mayor asked for the National Guard in D.C. to help indefinitely with the humanitarian crisis being faced by D.C., Oh my gosh, 4,000 illegal migrants have arrived in her sanctuary city and she doesn't know what to do. What's interesting is she's not interested at all in helping out these migrants and giving them places to live, working with these migrants to help them find jobs, getting those kids in school. I thought that's why we were opening our southern border and letting anybody and everybody come through. It's because they're so in deep trouble in the nations where they live. We, the United States of America, we owe them that. And she's one of the leaders of one of the biggest cities in the United States. So yeah, it's Washington, D.C., nation's capital. I get all that. But people live there. She's a leader. She should be working to help these people 
rather than reaching out to the National Guard, like the National Guard is going to help them get settled, find jobs, find schools. Republican governors Greg Abbott of Texas, Doug Ducey of Arizona, they responded to Biden's flagrant disregard of America's borders. And by the way, immigration law, that's nothing we need to worry about. We're just going to pick and choose which laws we enforce and which ones we don't. This happens to be one that we're not going to enforce. Bowser contends the illegal immigrants are being tricked into coming to her city during an appearance on CBS's Face the Nation over the weekend. But Abbott suggested that now Washington, D.C. finally understands what Texans have been dealing with every single day as our communities are overrun by thousands of illegal immigrants. Isn't it interesting? When stuff hits the road, you know, the rubber hits the road, things seem to change and opinions seem to change when facts become evident. I'll remind you of this. This has been reported again and again and again in two years. In a two-year period in Texas alone, 600,000 felony criminal acts have been committed against Texans by illegal immigrants that have been allowed to come in. 600,000. I don't have the numbers, same numbers for New Mexico, Arizona, or California. But I would think those numbers would be something similar as Texas has to, dealt, be, uh, has to deal with. It's time they do something about it. And i got to be honest with you. If um, governors, and then throw Mayor Bowser in there, because there's no state of Washington, D.C., if they would all get together, and if they would all point to Washington, D.C., to the President of the United States, and say, Enough is enough. We're tired of this. We need to enforce the rule of law. We need to enforce the immigration laws. If we don't like them, we got to get them changed. And don't you know those 535 people that represent different states? Each of the 50 states have two representatives in the Senate that solely represent their state's needs to the government. On the other side, 435 represent various congressional districts all the way across the United States. Those people are the ones who made the immigration laws. They passed them, sent them to whoever the president was. President signed those things into law, and they're supposed to be enforced, period. This administration refuses to do that. And what's worse, these states are having to deal with these massive migrant influx that just destroys any city, any town, their infrastructure. They're just not geared to handle that. Meanwhile, those people in D.C., including Mayor Bowser, they've sat up there and just looking and laughing saying, hey, we're going to flood the nation with illegals, and you guys down south, mostly Republicans, you're going to pay the price. We'll show you. 
Oh, and by the way, as we go to break, let me just drop a little truth bomb in on you. Guess what Joe Biden did very quietly so that nobody would know what he was doing? He authorized closing those gaps in Donald Trump's border wall in the state of Arizona. Every one of them. Did you hear that on CNN or MSNBC? ABC, CBS, NBC, why wouldn't they tell you that? They don't want to let anybody, even the perception appear to be that Joe Biden was wrong about opening up the gates in the southern border and letting all those illegal immigrants come into the United States. Now the question is, what are we going to do about that? Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm a Verizon engineer, and today we're turning on 5G across the country, including right here in New York City. With the coverage of 5G nationwide and in more and more cities, the unprecedented performance of ultra-wideband. It will change your phone and how businesses do everything. I'm proud because we didn't build it the easy way. We built it right. This is the 5G America's been waiting for, only from Verizon. 5G ultra-wideband available only in parts of select cities. 5G nationwide available in 1,800 plus cities. Square Packages, the packaging specialists, are proud to present a box on both your houses. The untold story of the invention of the box and the family rivalry that nearly destroyed it. It's a tale about opening your heart, finding acceptance, and inventing the most efficient means of shipping and packaging that mankind has ever known. Proving that to find what's in your soul, you have to look outside the box and into another box, which is a house your home. And that truly is the greatest box of all. Tune in every Wednesday at 8 for this once-in-a-week-time television event, A Box on Both Your Houses, presented by Square Packages, the packaging specialists. You're fighting back the tsunami of ignorance with Dan Newman, TNN, the Truth News Network. You know, we can't get away from talking about inflation and what inflation is actually doing to me and you. And so we broke out, we did some research and we broke out some exact examples of what you were having to come out of your pocket for today compared to what you were doing a year and a half ago. Just a few things that you deal with every day, like a few months ago, June of this year, we're paying $5.79 a pound for coffee. And what we should be paying based upon our past and where we were is $4.70 a pound. That's a buck nine cents more. Bread, we're paying a buck 69 now. We used to pay a dollar 54. Chicken, a dollar 83 a pound compared to 
of dollar forty six a pound then. Oranges by the pound, a dollar sixty a pound now used to be a dollar thirty eight. Milk, four dollars and fifteen cents a gallon compared to three dollars and sixty two. Eggs, two seventy one today, a dollar sixty seven then. Rice, ninety two cents today compared to seventy nine cents. Bacon, seven forty a pound. We were paying six eighty. Lunch meat, the packages, six fifty three now compared to five forty six. I could go on and on about groceries. That's food. How about just some regular household expenses? Electricity used to be one hundred forty four dollars and eighty four cents. Now it's one hundred sixty dollars. Um, gas bill. It's eighty five dollars now. It used to be $53. A flat pack bed, $299. Now it was $273. A two-seat couch, a small one, $462 now compared to $400. And then what about just going to dinner tonight? Need a new dress to look good. Average cocktail dress now, $46. It used to be $44. A men's suit, $349 now compared to $267 then. Shampoo, a 20-ounce bottle, it's $650 now, used to be $623. A haircut, barbershop haircut, this is for a guy, $39 now, it was $37. A manicure, $25 compared to $23. Traveling, oh my gosh, the average car now, the average car, $20,425. The average just months ago, $18,000. A used car, averages $8,480 compared to $8,035. Fill up your gas tank, and this is if you have a small car, $75.87 now compared to $49.46 then. You need tires, new tires, $304 now compared to $262. When you break this all down, and you look at really what 9% inflation means to the average American, when you look at it all that way, it's worse than we thought it was. And just remember this, going into your weekend, your president, my president, and I'm sure he's already in Delaware. I'm sure he went yesterday. He spends these three-day weekends there every week. He thinks this is okay. Yeah, he knows there's a little bit of a problem there, but he's like, you know what? It ain't as bad as you think it is. We're, this is transitory. They don't use that term anymore. That's what they tried to trick us with in the beginning. But it's not really, it's not really a recession. I don't care what you call it, folks. The average family in America, as it stands today and it's getting worse every day, is spending a minimum of $5,000 more this year for the exact same things last year. We're paying $5,000 more this year. And there's no good explanation that justify it happening. They won't even deal with that. 
You know, something that we haven't talked about in a long time here at TNN Live is the insane cries that we heard over and over and over again after the George Floyd killing in Minneapolis. Defund the police. We don't trust the cops. We don't need cops. And so major cities across the nation, they begin to cut the funding for their police officers. And then all of a sudden, they're all shocked when crime across the nation, it spikes to never-before-seen heights. And so you know what they do? They very quietly start refunding their police budgets in many cases, but they will never acknowledge that they were ever defund the police folks. Chip Roy, who happens to be a representative from the state of Texas, yesterday on the House floor in a committee hearing, he went nose-to-nose with Jerry Nadler when they were talking about defunding the police and how stupid it is and how the federal government has no right to be involved in local policing. Listen to this back and forth. I was taken aback as I was dealing with a personal matter in my office while watching the committee unfold uh, at the statements by some of my colleagues on the other side of the aisle about how uh, it was not possible uh, or appropriate or it wouldn't happen, I can't remember the exact wording, for states to be able to take care of this particular problem. The gentlelady from Texas uh, made, no, the gentlelady from Texas had an exact quote. Along no, the actually, te- if the gentleman yield, the, the state of Texas just unanimously passed active shooter alert right, and sir, signed by sir, Governor sir, Abbott. Uh, reclaiming my time. Great. My point is, the gentlelady from Texas was talking about the inability of states to carry out uh, their, the, the uh, law enforcement function. Uh, and, and, and the specific, it was literally said the quote, is why I got up out of my office and walked down here, as you literally said it. And, and, and my point is, is here we're talking about, uh, you know, federal spending, and, and the gentleman just said, well, Texas just passed this. Well, good for Texas, right? But we just act like there's this unlimited slush fund in this town to say we're going to go, oh, no, oh there, there goes the, oh, there he goes again talking about spending. We're talking about, so $2 million, $50 million, $5 billion. Does it matter? Right, when we're $30.5 trillion in debt? My colleagues on the other side of the aisle. Are you advocating defunding the police? That's who this is for. What I'm advocating for is allowing the police powers of the states, the states to be able to do the job of the states, which is to police the states. Like, that's the whole point. My colleagues on the other side of the aisle, they go hide behind this and say, we're not defunding the police because you guys have some in here, some bill in here for a grant program because the idea of the grant program is to then go micromanage what the states have to go do. Because that's the purpose of what you want to do. You want to use the federal money, the power and the coercion of the federal government to go tell states what they must do. And you want to do it with borrowed money. You want to do it with printed money. With the gentleman you? Not just yet. You want to do it with borrowed and printed money. Because that's what we do in this town. We go write blank checks because we want to go give a press conference about all the greatness that we're doing in this town. All of the awesome things that we're accomplishing. Meanwhile, you states, you say, well, you know, are they going to do this or not? Well, they actually have to make a tough choice because they actually have to balance a budget. They actually have to decide, are we going to spend money in a school? Are we going to spend money on teachers? But in this case, what we do is we say, we'll write a blank check. And then my colleagues say, well, we're not defunding the police. But yet it is Democrats across the country that are clearly defunding the police. 
Austin, Texas, which I represent, $150 million slashed from the budget. People are waiting. They call 911. They can't get through. They're trying to get police. Police aren't trained. The very uh, schools, you know, the, the, uh, the police are not actually being recruited now because we don't have the money to recruit them. Why? Because Democrats in the progressive quote-unquote oasis of Austin, Texas, stopped funding the police. I could go list by list here. Of Minneapolis, cutting their budget. New York City, uh, cutting their budget. Cook County, Illinois, Portland, Oregon, Austin, Texas, Baltimore, Maryland, Los Angeles, California, Milwaukee, Philadelphia, all slashed their budget, cut police budgets. And now my Democratic colleagues want to say, oh, in our infinite wisdom, we're going to go say, here is in our blank check, here's some more money for us to tell you what you have to do. Would the gentleman now yield? I will yield to the chairman briefly. Okay. Very briefly, two points. One, uh, these are voluntary they tell no local authority what to do. The authority can decide what to do for itself. And secondly, with respect to defunding the police, Republican-run cities spend $361 million, I'm sorry, $361 per resident on police. Democratic-run cities spend $498 per resident, dollars per resident. At 38 percent more than Republicans. And reclaiming my time, the, the, that data does not reflect whether or not the, the adequate number of police or the appropriate level of police are on the streets for what that city needs. That's the whole point of federalism. That's the whole point of allowing people to decide what they want to do. And if Democrat mayors and Democrat city councils are going to cross the country defund police, we see the consequences of it. You literally can't deny that in the last two years there's been a massive spike in crime. And there's a direct correlation to the fact that we've defunded police across this country. It is literally in front of us, and the American people know it. And here we are, again, with the blank check format of the federal government saying, here's money, we're going to put it out there. And even the chairman just said, well, this is voluntary, voluntary program. Well, what are we doing? Why are we doing it? Just let Rhode Island, let Texas, let Illinois, let California figure out how to police their own states. Because to the gentlelady from Texas, I'm quite aware that we have 30 million people and we have the 10th biggest economy in the world, and I think we can figure out how to police the streets. And there you go. The example, not just with funding the police on a local level. What did you just hear illustrated? You heard the uh, committee chair, Jerry Nadler from New York. Well, hey, we're giving this money to the states for law enforcement and grants. Nobody's telling them what they have to do. That's horse hockey. The federal government, every dime they give to anybody in a state, it all has restrictions. And they'll pull it back if you don't agree or if you do something outside the parameters of a grant that you get from the United States Congress. Representative Roy made a, a, a good point there. All this money they're giving away in this new program, all of it, every bit of it, is not money that we have. So they're actually writing a hot check, basically, and giving money to these states, and then they're telling the states exactly what you can do and what you can't do. Meanwhile, crime is going through the roof across the nation. I live in Shreveport, Louisiana, and our crime here has spiked. The universal thing is, we have watched as our media over the last five or six years have made criminality grandiose. It's become front page. People are actually watching this. Many people in the younger generations are watching this, and it's kind of cool to get your car chase 
on television to go do something evil because you're going to make the news. And, and that's just one little bitty sliver of this. But I think what Chip Roy was pointing out there was the very obvious thing is we spend money and we think everything we throw a dollar at is going to be taken care of. Folks, money is not the only thing that's necessary to get good things done. Somebody's got to go define and then initiate what these good things are and then come back behind the, the, the giving the money away and make sure that it's being used properly and that the people that are using it in the very beginning, they know how to use it. They know what it's for. And to make sure they know that they've got to do it that way. That's what's missing. Throwing money at everything never is the panacea. It doesn't always work. You're fighting back the tidal wave of deceit, lies, spin, and ignorance with TNN, the Truth News Network. Long live the courageous. Tenacious. The ones who push forward and give back. Long live the greater good. The helping hand. Those who fall and get back up. And long live the truck with the strength overcome the will to outwork and the commitment to outlast them all ram proven to last hey thirst can i try out a few coke summer sound effects on you yes cool you okay with this yes and this And what about this? Yes! Ha! Gotcha there, Thirst. That wasn't sound effects. That was a Coke. I'm no longer thirsty. You're so out of here. Coca-Cola. Open happiness. Well, hey there, we get headed into the weekend and I just want to take a second. Today is my birthday and throughout the show today, I've gotten, I don't know how many, but text and private messages wishing me a happy birthday. I want to thank everybody. And I, uh, I made a commitment years ago, I guess when everybody got on Facebook, that was a way they could uh, very quickly reach out to people that they know and send a short message. I will have, I do every year now, I have hundreds of happy birthdays. I want to say thank you. But my commitment is I respond to everyone personally. I don't do what a lot of people do. They'll, at the end of their birthdays, they'll write a post thanking everybody that, on a global thing, you know, not individually. I don't do that. And I'm very careful to make sure I don't miss anybody. Why is that? I believe in one-on-one contact and communication. It's a big thing to me. 
I think Americans today miss that. I think that because of social media and the internet and the way that we are able to use it to do everything, almost everything we can do or initiate at least through the, um, through the internet, that we lose that personal contact with each other. And you never know what it means for somebody just to drop you a line, make a phone call. My wife and our daughters, they constantly communicate each with each other through text. And I can't tell you how many times I've looked at Marianne as she's writing a long text to one of the girls. And I tell her, you know what? You could have done that. You could have picked up the phone and the same phone you're texting on and call Kimby or Corey. And you could have this conversation instead of sending this long text You could do the same thing, but you would be touching each other and communicating directly with each other. That means a lot. And so again, I want to say thank you for all the birthday wishes. And in case you're wondering, I'm 69 today. One more year, and I'll be in the 70s decade. OMG. And I got to be honest with you, when I was younger, and when I say younger, in 40, in the 40s, I looked at 70-year-olds and I said, oh my gosh, they're ancient. I'm never going to look like that. I'm never going to act like that. (laughs) Guess what, folks? Being 70 is pretty much the same for all of us. Yeah, we have our differences, but uh, when you're 70, especially biologically, things pretty much do what things do. Back to some Important things to finish the show today. House Speaker Pelosi, she's in the news again. She's now expected to depart for Asia sometime later today. And it's a diplomatic trip with the potential of upsetting the Chinese Communist Party. Pelosi is scheduled to visit several of our allies in Asian countries during her multi-day tour. One possible destination with major ramifications is Taiwan officially known as the Republic of China. The island has been expecting a visit from Pelosi, but recent threats from the Chinese Communist Party have drawn some global attention to the potential visit, and it's become a hot topic. So Pelosi's office, they won't, they won't provide any information about her trip. She's also scheduled to hold her weekly Capitol Hill press conference today at 11.30 in just a few minutes. She planned to visit Taiwan back in April, which would have made her the highest-ranking U.S. official to go to the island since 1997, but she was forced to cancel the trip after testing positive for COVID. She's not officially rescheduled the trip, but rumors say she still intends on going after saying last week it is important for us to show support for Taiwan. Chinese President Xi Jinping, she warned President Biden in a phone call yesterday, the U.S. must not play with fire on Taiwan. Those who play with fire will perish by fire. Now, this is the Chinese president talking. It is hoped that the U.S. will be clear-eyed about this. The People's Republic of China has long claimed sovereignty over Taiwan and the Taiwan Strait, the relatively narrow strip of ocean between the island of Taiwan and the Chinese mainland. 
Chinese military has frequently sent planes into the area testing Taiwan's air defense system. The U.S. does not have official relations with Taiwan, but has been stepping up engagement with the island as China tries to isolate it from global institutions. We do not confirm or deny international travel in advance due to long-standing security protocols. That's from Pelosi's office. Chinese officials told the Associated Press that if Pelosi shows up in Taiwan, the military would increase its movement of forces and assets in the Indo-Pacific region. The Associated Press reported the Pentagon was planning for a Pelosi trip, saying that fighter jets, ships, surveillance assets, and other military systems would likely be used to provide overlapping rings of protection for her flight to Taiwan and any time on the ground there. Now you think about that for a minute. I got to be honest with you. What that tells me is she probably shouldn't go. If somebody is going to stir the sleeping giant China, I think it should be somebody other than Nancy Pelosi. And after all, I don't want anything bad to happen to Nancy while she's away. The other 900-pound gorilla in the room today, the Mega Millions Lottery Jackpot. It's up to $1.1 billion bucks that somebody may win in tonight's drawing. That would be the second highest number in the lottery's history. Players across 45 states, D.C. and the Virgin Islands, will hope Lady Luck smiles as they buy their Mega Million ticket. Can you imagine? I don't know what the cash payout would be on that. Probably like $600 million. Even you take the taxes out of $600 million. That'd be a good month of business. <laughs> hey guys, thank you for being here today. Have a great weekend. We'll see you Monday. It's gonna take some time this time to get myself in shape. I really fell out of line this time. I really miss the game. The birds on the telephone likes time are crying out to me. Next time. And I won't be so blind next time. And I'll find some harmony. But it's going to take some time this time. And I can't make demands. But like the young trees in the winter time, I'll inhabit a band.
It's one. 